I love this episode so much. Oh my goodness, we're going to get into it. I'm pretty sure this is my favorite episode of The Bad Batch. You're beaming. I had to turn my headphones down. I don't think you clipped the, <laughs> the input of your recording, but I certainly had to readjust my uh, monitoring volume. <laughs> everyone to Krypton to Alderaan. I'm Joey, your Star Wars lover, and with me is Royish Good Looks. Hello, podcast. Hello, Joey. Come on down. Yeah, that was, it was very uh, Bob Barker of you. <laughs> and we're the podcast that analyzes nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars. Pew, pew. This episode, we'll be talking about The Bad Batch, <laughs> season two, episode 11, Metamorphosis. But first, hey, Find us on socials and on YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss any of this content. I'm putting my fanboy hat back on for this one yet again. If you know, you know from our Mando chapter 17 episode. If you don't know, go listen to that one because it was a lot of fun. And subscribe to us on YouTube so you don't miss any of these. And also chime in. I'd love to hear from you all this episode. Oh man, we're going to get into it. I'm very excited to talk about it. And I would love to hear what y'all thought. I would also love to hear what you thought, Royce. And we're going to do that next. <laughs> Here is my synopsis for Metamorphosis. This is the full synopsis written by me, not the full synopsis written by Disney+. With the Bad Batch back on the move, Sid has a new job for them that could promise a healthy haul. A downed ship has been reported that could contain valuable cargo ripe for the plunder. However, as the Batch take a closer look, they discover that the cargo is not valuable, but deadly. Put that on the DVD box set. <laughs> uh, uh, Disney, get in on this. I'm good at writing these. <laughs> yeah, so... Listen, not really required watching because Royce, I don't believe you have watched this, but the Clone Wars season two, episodes 17 and 18 contain the monster that is in this Bad Batch episode. It's when we are first introduced to them. This beast was woken up by an electronic bomb set off on the planet Malastair, which was homeworld of the Dugs. So they drop this bomb, it eats up all the electricity. And then uh, it breaks free and they bring it to Coruscant to try to study it. And it breaks free again and blah, 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 blah. Go watch those episodes. They're great. Great. That <laughs> explains that line from Tech to Hunter. Thank you. That was in my notes to ask you about that. And the Dugs. So that's that's uh, Sebulba. Sebulba. That's his home planet, huh? Malastare. Yep. Home of the Zillow Beast and the Dugs. Yes. You know what? I love canon. Canon, <laughs> canon, canon. I'm putting my canon hat and my fanboy. I've got two hats on today and neither of them are the analysis hat. Royce. Can I spoil something for you? Spoil away. I have watched this episode twice. And the first time I watched it, I was like, I'm kind of there. The second time I watched it, I was like, I think this is my favorite episode of The Bad Batch. I am stoked. I love this episode so much. Oh my goodness, we're going to get into it. I'm pretty sure this is my favorite episode of The Bad Batch. How did you feel about it i enjoyed it as well i thought there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of suspense which was maybe sort of a new kind of vibe in this season so far of like whoa oh my gosh it's coming out of the corner oh i'm kind of scared what's gonna happen next oh my god 
lot of that. And certainly of what's to come. And they've already been doing things behind the scenes. So there's tons of, of canon stuff with the Cammy Noans and cloning and canon Noans. Nice. And certainly, <laughs> I think the episode most of all was a really fresh change of pace, even though we did bring in Sid for a minute and there still was a little bit of the, are we going to break off from Sid? But uh, that we went into the cloning and the Cammy Noans in this horror, suspenseful nature of things. This was very different from some of the last few episodes and back to sort of the meat of what I think some people might have been missing. You know, I'd watched a few YouTube video reviews about how they need to break away from Sid and it's just getting to be monotonous at this point. And we had such a great conversation last week about, hey, you got to go on these side quest rides and, and pull some of the deeper meaning out of it and don't think of it as just the side quest and, you know, find something you can take away from it. The writers have intentionally put moments in there that are worthwhile. It's not just the big boss battle at the end or whatever. I think this episode probably resolves some of that for a lot of people, yourself included. You're like, you're beaming. I had to turn my headphones down. I don't think you clipped <laughs> the, the input of your recording, but I certainly had to readjust my uh, monitoring volume. So I think that's a good thing overall that, you know, everyone probably enjoyed something from this episode, myself included. Interesting. Very similar to your take on The Mandalorian Chapter 17. It's got something for everyone. Listen, between... Chapter 17 of The Mandalorian and this episode of The Bad Batch. I am amped. The creatures, just like the Turgator and then the Purgle and now the Zillow Beast, which we haven't seen since the Clone Wars. And it, the Zillow Beast has always been this like lingering, what does Palpatine want with this? The last time we see it, he, he like, we see it with Palpatine and he's like, oh, I'm going to use this in my devious plan. But what is it? Now we're getting those answers. Oh, Palpatine actually is interested in the yes. animal. And ooh, cool. Because it is, we see it's immune to blaster fire. Like it has this hard exoskeleton, but it also is impenetrable by lightsaber. Mm. So lightsabers cannot cut into the Zillow beast. So he was very interested in it. And he, he said, oh, we'll study it so we can give our clones armor. It'll change the tide of the war. But obviously there's something more nefarious going on. And now they're cloning it. Anyway, canon wise, we're getting more answers. And I love, love, love that. I understand that sometimes canon can be like a slog and like we put too many expectations on things. But I cannot tell you how much I love canon continuity. This excites me. So the creatures. The canon, the horror. I'm a huge, huge, huge horror movie fan. I love the movie Alien. This was so that. And the utter seriousness of the situation that the characters are in, the seriousness of this episode and the seriousness of this show. I freaking love this episode. Did you notice the change in music as well? Like very ominous music throughout. Again, I noticed it because it seemed so different. Yeah, well, when you mentioned, I haven't actually seen Alien, but I obviously kind of am familiar enough with it to see that, oh, this must be similar to that. And a lot a lot of like the synthesizer -y themes came back. A lot of the like, blah. A couple of times I thought they were alluding to even uh, the crosshair theme later when some of the TK troopers show up. I didn't know if there was anything there, but a lot of more of the synthesizer -y heavy, spooky tonalities. Yeah, not like last week where we were talking about, oh, the woodwinds and the harps and right. the beautiful Bad Batch theme or Omega's theme. Yeah. Very much polar opposite from that. And again, you know, speaking to the range of the composers and of the writing in the season, 
Yeah, it was good. No complaints. Yeah. I didn't really pick out any specific moments. I was wondering if there was some some blending of that crosshair theme with some of the suspenseful stuff. His theme in the past has sort of been reminiscent of that. Yeah. I think I might be reaching a little bit there, but yeah, I saw some of those parallels. It was great. Yeah. I love the horror elements, including the ominous music. It's interesting. It's probably not a stretch to think that they like already had this ominous theme with Crosshair. So they're kind of building off of it. You mentioned the TK Troopers. Another thing that adds to the seriousness of this episode is that it's entirely commandos, clone commandos, which I think like implies a heavy force of security. We don't see any other kind of trooper. And I think that that adds to the seriousness of this situation. I think that definitely intentionally added to that for sure. Okay, I'm going to try to rein myself in here a little bit (laughs) and back up. What did you think of the opening with the introduction to Dr. Hemlock? his relationship with Nala Say, that was all very ominous. And even the way he speaks, I felt was very like, there's something so eerie about his calmness. Yeah, he was a little creepy. At first, I thought he was going to be sympathetic to Nala Say, that they were like old friends or something. But yeah, he turns out to be a little bit of a mad scientist, evil scientist kind of guy. Maybe got sort of vibes from the uh, scientist from Andor who was doing the torturing with uh, Bix, right? Yeah, maybe a little bit of that, especially at the end of the episode where they're they are going to try and manipulate Nala say with through Omega, possibly, you know, so who knows what that's going to turn into. Yeah, I got some spooky vibes from him. Is he a brand new character? We've not seen much of him or this is our introduction to him. He is brand new. You know what his first name is? Royce. No, Dr. Royce Hemlock. A new character, very ominous and very much a fanatic. Like he says to Nala, say your research will now serve a higher purpose, the emperor's purpose. This is something I've noticed more recently in sci-fi, but I think it has a history in sci-fi. What do you think about portraying science as the enemy's tool or as evil? I mean, that's exactly what's going on here. And I think it's like I'm maybe I'm much more conscious of it because of our own political climate in the real world. Yeah, I made a note of that. The Emperor's higher purpose. Uh, again, I saw more parallels. Nalisei and Galen Erso, you know, building mm. this weapon of, you know, mass destruction. You know, it's interesting that Nalisei is, you know, I'm not going to help you. But of course, they're going to put the pressure on her, you know, just like they they force people in Andor to do their bidding. There's most certainly, you know, the alliteration and the poetry rhyming there. And it's creepy. It doesn't feel good. And there, there is something scary about like the scientist's knowing so much and not necessarily using that power for good, right? Where you could, and maybe that's what the Cammie Owens original intent with the cloning was, you know, they met with a grandmaster Jedi, you know, to build this army to protect the Republic sort of thing. And then of course the empire steals all that technology to use it for themselves. Ooh, yeah. Yes. But also higher ups in the Cammie Owens knew about the inhibitor chips in order 66 so right they're not innocent either yeah it's really been interesting to watch recently like i like i said i think it has a history in sci-fi like oh the evil of science or science being used is bad and that particular moment when dr hemlock is talking to nala say made me go back and think about like magic in star wars stories has always been the good side and science has always been the bad side right with building the death star And then in the beginning of A New Hope, your hokey religion and magic couldn't give you the clairvoyance, that whole thing. Luke's good side is the side of magic and like Vader's held together by science. The Death Star is science. 
the people running the Death Star don't believe in the force or magic or religion or anything. So really interesting, I think, to go back and look at this as like science is the enemy. You know? Kyber crystals are supposed to bring good luck or good fortune, right? Is that not something that they've mentioned? I think in Rogue One, Jin's mother gives her the crystal for protection, maybe that's said. Just thinking like you're saying science with like the Death Star, but you would think if it was a big, massive Kyber crystal that they would be like the most luckiest place in the galaxy. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. What did you think of their conversation with Sid for untold weeks you and i have been discussing like <laughs> they need to get out of here like get out of there you mentioned you get annoyed you don't like seeing her it turns you <laughs> off she says to them don't come back unless you scavenge something valuable and hunter says what makes you think we'd come back at all she says don't test me bandana but she's kind of like please we all know you're coming back yeah they kept it short and sweet which i've said a bunch that i appreciate and i love that they pushed back on her a little bit more and they all kept folding their arms. Omega kept looking up to the other Bad Batch members and like, okay, we're still folding our arms. We're holding yep. strong. They negotiate up to the 50-50 split on whatever they scavenge, which what the heck were they supposed to scavenge? Like the creature, the data? I'm glad at the end of the episode that all they had was the data. And they say, let's give the data to Echo and Rex. It's not like, let's give it to Sid and have her sell it, you know? And so I think there's some positive movement there. And that they literally said, like, maybe we won't come back to you, Sid. Like, they still haven't really broken through the ice there. At least Sid was only in there a little bit. That wasn't the point of the episode. But it does seem like we're still moving forward. And I'd like to see that continue. <laughs> but yeah. I am turned off when she comes on scene. I think part of it is just, like, even the even the voiceover for the character, you know, that like plays into her being someone you don't want to be around, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I certainly didn't consider this. Let me know if you had thought about this at all. After talking so much about breaking ties with Sid, Tech says cutting ties with Sid could be problematic considering what she knows about us. I didn't even consider that when we're talking about, oh, they just need to get out of there. You know, Sid knows everything about them. Like she could turn them in, making it seem like they feel like held back by Sid because of the danger it presents to just up and leave her. And we also know that the Empire is going to be looking for the Marauder now because they saw the ship. And that also may, you know, they trace it back to Sid's hideaway. And she might give him up because they desert her, you know? It will go exactly how you think it's going to go there. Luke Skywalker's famous line, <laughs> this is going to go exactly the way you think it is. Yeah. All right. Let's get off of Sid. Listen, I want them to break ties with Sid and I want to break ties with Sid. Let's talk about something else. Several episodes ago, Robin and I talked about horror in Star Wars. It was like our Halloween episode from 2022. And we kind of made some like pitches, what we'd like to see in a horror Star Wars show or movie. I love horror. This episode was so much all of that. What do you think about horror in Star Wars? Oh, the whole, you know, you, you don't see the big bad initially, but you know they're there and you're seeing the character react like, oh my God, where are they? And their flashlight goes out sort of thing, the buzzer stick thing that the TK Trooper had, you know, oh no, my weapon's gone, you know, all the lights are dimmed. So it puts you in that setting. And that's, of course, always going to be unnerving, especially when you have you know, the music in the background, like 
cueing you in, not just yeah. the vis visuals, but the sonics of it. And you hear the creature, but you don't see the creature. Horror isn't my go-to genre. I, I think I need to have a little bit more time in the horror realm, but it is powerful. You know, whether or not that's your thing, it will most certainly elicit a response from you, you know, whether you're into it or not. I think that's just innately human, that kind of flight or fight thing, right? Interesting to see that in the Bad Batch, the quote unquote kids show. Yeah. Uh, like I think you want to get into is like how serious and spooky some of this stuff is. Yeah. Horror isn't my language, but yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that jumping into the Bad Batch, which seems to jump around the side quests, these canon episodes, throw it all in there. We got 16 episodes to play with. <laughs> Deal with it. There's going to be a horror episode. This is the, the fun of that, that long episodic format for the season. Yeah. Tell you what, if you wave canon around or you wave horror around, I'll <laughs> follow you wherever you go or whatever Bo-Katan says. Wrecker says, what were they keeping in here? And Hunter goes, I don't know, but it's still on board. Very, the call is coming from inside the house. You know, I just love stuff like that. And like metamorphosis so many times in horror, this like the ultimate creature goes through this like transformation, whether it's vampires or werewolves. And we see that happen in this episode. It had so many of these elements in it. My favorite, favorite scene. Tech says, seeing as how the crew was most likely eaten by this creature, I doubt it is currently hungry. And then Omega goes, it ate the crew? It ate the crew. And Wrecker's like, how is that helping Tech? Which I also loved from Wrecker. But that whole experience there with Omega. Some of the greatest horror is told, unfortunately, from a kid's perspective, and it makes it so much more scary. Like The Shining, the, the book is exclusively from Danny Torrance's perspective, the little kid. And I think it makes it one of the most scary things I've ever done is read that book. It's just so powerful to me when that happens. But then Omega is not afraid to go back on the ship. She kind of stutters a little bit when she's like, well, I'll go in. I understand Kimono and technology. But she's like so ready to be there, which I was also like, oh, I just love her so much. I thought it was a little weird at first. Tech was like, your concern is not warranted. I'll be fine. And he goes to the control room himself. I don't know why he would think the ship with no power, with these claw marks around it, that crash landed. Like, there's no cause for any any danger here. But then, of course, he, he goes back into the ship to get the data, and Omega accompanies him because yeah. now they know, uh, well, we should be together, maybe, and we can help each other. You got to have the buddy system, man. There's four of you. There was no reason that they yeah. should have let Tech go on his own. I thought that was going to end up poorly for him, but but it didn't. That's part of the suspense, though, I think, you know, that foreshadowing. We know something bad could happen. That's another horror element, right? It's another horror trope. We have to split up. They had to do that, send someone out on their own, and they had to rationalize it by Omega saying that and then Tech responding. I do, however, think two things. Tech is like... Obviously, very analytical. He's part of Clone Force 99. They kind of do these weird odd job missions all the time. But also, based on last week, and then some stuff that happens later in this episode, he understands and responds to things differently than everyone else. He said that. And in that moment, I think that's what he's doing, while also in his own way trying to comfort Omega. That's his way of saying, it's okay. You don't have to be afraid of the dark. Everything's going to be fine. His actions later in the episode made me reflect back on this. Like twice he like protects her from the exploding ship and then he buckles her into the Marauder first when they get on and it's like taken off and they're trying to get away. In this episode, I saw so much like 
tech being conscious of Omega and her safety. In the midst of all of the horror elements going on, it was just so like lovely to see those little moments of tech protecting Omega. Even when he's like trying to emotionally protect her by saying, I'll be okay. We'll all be okay. I agree. I'm a tech stan, so you don't need to sell me on it, Joey. I'm already in. I freaking love tech. Oh, I love <laughs> this episode so much. I want to know what you think about the seriousness. Like, the same thing happened with uh, Chapter 17 of The Mandalorian this week. High stakes, not jokey, no stupid CGI crazy creatures. Sorry for, like projecting a lot into that statement. People talk about cartoons being silly, right? Like, that's a thing. I think we can all agree that, like, live-action Rathtars are silly and have been used as, like, jokey CGI creatures in Star Wars, like a good punchline. But this episode of this animated show was serious and scary. They load up all the villagers after the villagers see the Zillow Beast. The commando says to Dr. Hemlock, they'll be taken care of. And Lama Su told Dr. Hemlock that Omega's key to controlling Nala Sei. That's a very serious tone, like you just sacrificed this child for your own freedom. What do you think about this tone of seriousness in the quote-unquote animated show? Yeah, that village scene was one that really got me when you realize, oh no, the Empire ships are like moving in. Do you think, what are they, are, are they just doing recon? And then they start rounding them up. And then the scene at the end, it's like, oh man, that is, that's heavy. They don't tell you what they're going to do. Another great kind of horror trope is like, you just, whatever you're imagining in your head is worse than they, they could have shown you on screen. I didn't know if they were going to immediately start blasting them all down. Maybe they're put to work in that mountain, you know, as, as just enslaved workers. We don't know, but none of that sits well. And that was my mm -hmm. immediate note. I was like, oh no, like what happens to the villagers? Like, you know, they were going to be under attack there. The Bad Batch was trying to stop the beast to save them. And here the Empire comes in and does the total opposite. They do take the beast away, but they don't save the village, you know? They don't want anyone to know. They load them up at gunpoint. We watch that scene. People have their arms up. Right. That's heavy, man. The Bad Batch has been heavy. You know, I almost think we need to stop even mentioning this, like, it's the cartoon thing. Yeah, but, I agree. Because <laughs> it's freaking heavy. You know, if you just round up, I love those YouTube videos, like the not for kids, and they, you know, super cut all the, the heavy moments, of which there are many, especially this episode. It's like in this episode, there wasn't a moment to kind of stop and take a breath, which is also like a horror thing. They, they like pump the action at you so you don't have time to sit still. There's no like false sense of security. Your nerves are always on edge which is exactly what I felt in this episode. When I wasn't completely enthralled by reuniting with the Zillow Beast and loving canon as much as I do, I was in a very like horror state of mind. And even when the Bad Batch is trying to stop the Beast and the Empire is trying to chase the Bad Batch away and take the Beast, there's a very quick line where Wrecker says, they're not killing it, they're taking it. And Hunter says, let's not be next. And they fly away. And I was like, holy shit, this is like high stakes, very serious. They need to get out of there. And I just really love that these characters in Star Wars, where we have seen live action characters in situations like that be very jokey, you know, like, we won't take that ship. It's garbage. The garbage will do. Like, I love The Force Awakens, but I really don't like that very jokey line. These characters were taking the stakes very seriously. And that's what I love. 
I was hoping that Wrecker was going to get the drool on his hand and be like, ah, gross. And there was going to be maybe <laughs> some comic relief there a little bit. And then the monster pops out or something. I agree with you that there is a time and place for the comedy to be snuck in where it can pull you out of the scene, if not done in the most tasteful way. And you're right. The not having a moment to catch your breath. It was a, a very powerful way to design this episode. And I think it definitely worked. And man, it was it was packed. Not even just the suspense stuff, but the story with that beast growing and being impenetrable with the blaster fire, the Empire taking it back. They're using it for cloning. This was a dense episode. I can see why you were super excited for it. Yeah, like I said, we've gotten to know the Zillow Beast in the past, and it's been a long time coming for that storyline to be extended. Last episode you and I recorded, we were discussing the follow through for the final six episodes of the season. And I had mentioned like certain strings were pulled on that would be great if they followed through on. Now they've introduced this string from 10 years ago or whenever it was, you know? And so in the final third of this season, we're introducing this new, oh, they're cloning the Zillow Beast. Why? Dr. Hemlock's coming in. He has a history with Nala Say. So there's all this new information to now go into the last, what, five episodes of the season? Do you think that this changes the trajectory for the rest of the season? I think it could. Like you said, there's a lot of threads that they left dangling and we could go a lot of different directions, maybe. I don't know if that was Crosshair or not. I, like I said, I think I might have been reaching, but we haven't seen much of him. We could go back to him. Echo and Rex are going to get the data. We could go back to them. So there's still a lot of directions we could go within five or six episodes. Who knows? Maybe we even get another pod race. <laughs> there's a lot of time, I think, in there, a lot more than we realize, maybe. And they don't they don't always lead right into each other. I think the last two before this episode was one of those unique scenarios where they bookended, which I think a lot of us enjoyed. I think we go to a completely new thing next. That's too meaty to give it all away. You know, we could have started this season with some of that material since we ended last season with them, you know, capturing the Kaminoans, right? So they didn't jump right to that. They've got a lot of story to to play with. That may help for the longevity of the series. Like we want it all now, but that would allude to it being, you know, one or two or three seasons, right? I don't know how long they have it planned out for, you know? Yeah, very true. It does kind of feel like a lot to now be packed into the last five. Like they don't need to resolve it, though. They don't need to resolve it. You don't think they're going to have like Hemlock going after Omega and then capturing Omega and they got to get her back and that whole thing within the next like five episodes? I dislike when it's Leia gets captured. We've got to get Leia back. She gets captured yeah. again. Like, I don't particularly like that storyline, so I hope it's not that dry. I think they are certainly alluding to that, but I don't think they have to address any of the cloning stuff. You could play that out over the broader scope of, of canon. Man, I've said that like 10 times today. We've been talking about Star Wars for like two hours, Joey. Have you realized it's that? It's my favorite day. <laughs> this was my favorite episode of The Bad Batch, and this has been my favorite day. I've been talking about Star Wars for hours, and I still got fuel in the tank. I love this new Dr. Hemlock being this creepy, sinister character that he is. Okay, here's who he reminds me of. I just figured it out. Mr. Sinister. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite X-Men villains, this character reminds me of that. Just like cloning, obviously, all that stuff, but very sinister. But also like with an eerie calmness sometimes. So I'd love to see that happen, but it just seems like a lot to pack in to the next five episodes. Him getting Omega and then there being like the stakes that are involved with 
using her as leverage against Nalise, all that stuff. But what are they doing with the Zillow beasts? That's a question that I've been asking for many, many years. All right, listeners, this episode was jam-packed. You got beasts, you got cloning, you got mass genocide. What were your takeaways from this episode? We would love to hear from you. Wherever you social media, leave some comments. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. And of course, return next week for more of our coverage on The Bad Batch. Thanks for listening to the end of the episode today. I've been Dr. Royce Hemlock. Oh, nice. Listen, I've just been Joey. And we've been... Krypton 2! I freaking love canon so much! <laughs>